You know they want staring point, you know we straight to the point Boy Chris with assist, fast breaks like a joint splitting half Boy J with the J, we throwing heat, no gas, that's a touchdown pass You know just how we coming, so it's nothing left to say Now they hardly can guard me like Dirk fade away You know just how we coming, so it's nothing left to say Yeah, you know just how we coming, so it's nothing left to say They want staring point, you know we straight to the point They want staring point, you know we straight to the point They want staring point, you know we straight to the point They want staring point, you know we straight to the straight to the Team 76 bringing us in episode number 102 of Straight to the Point. My name is Chris here. My guy, Jay Dart. Yo, what's going on? Yo, and, and there's so much to talk about. You know, we got to talk about the shot, that shot. Y'all know what I'm talking about, that Jimmy shot um, and the microcosm of that shot as it relates to the whole of the Boston-Miami series. Uh, we want to talk about on the flip side, Golden State and Dallas preview the finals, talk about some legacy talk, you know, everyone loves a little bit of legacy talk, we're talking about stuff. We're actually going to talk Luca legacy. Is it too early for that? Also, we're going to pivot over to the NFL. We're going to talk about Deshaun Watson, another allegation, another one. We're going to talk about Njoku getting paid. We're going to talk about all kinds of, of greatness, especially Aaron Donald, greatness in the NFL. But Jared, Let's start us off with that Jimmy shot. Walk us through that shot in your eyes as you were watching it. Um, man, he made a great comeback in that game. Let's, let's, let's be honest. How do you let me ask you a question in reverse real fast? I just want to get the, the 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 room real fast. Are you viewing that as a good shot, bad shot situation? Or are you viewing that as wrong shot, right shot situation? Like, how are you viewing that shot? Um, right or wrong, you can argue necessary is is where i think i'm at with it it's a necessary shot they had to, he had to take that shot he has no there's no you know there's no win if you just lay horford up and you play for overtime you play to win if you're jimmy Buck. you play to win if that's what you've been predicated your whole career as to doing that's your mantra that's your reputation as as a winner go-getter you don't play for overtime like this is a smart thing to do probably yeah but if that shot goes in, we're having a different conversation. We're talking about look at the the raw talent of Jimmy Butler willing his team to a victory. You know, so the conversation flips. So whether or not I think it's a bad shot or a good shot, obviously it's I mean a transition three with a with a big man backpedaling inherently is a bad shot for 97% of the people on earth, you know. Um, but in that situation. After the Heat went on a 14-0 run, I can't really get mad at that. I'm of the other mindset. I don't think it was a bad shot because any shot Jimmy was taking that night was a good shot in my eyes because he was getting to a bucket. I'm of the mindset that you made the run. You're down two, 18 seconds left of transition. You're gassed out. He's played 48 minutes. You're gassed out. That shot, you could tell he was gassed from the jump shot. So what is Jimmy Butler known for? I know that people keep talking about the drive to the basket that he could have done over. I didn't even want that. Chris, you just said the game was on the line. You weren't playing for OT. You're Jimmy Butler in your mind. I'm thinking, let me dribble this out, take Horford one-on-one, get the step back three I want, and I just lose on my terms where I feel like he rushed that shot. Because even if he made the shot, you're still giving them 13 seconds with a timeout to do what they got to do. So I'm just thinking it was the wrong shot. Not, not, there's no such thing that I don't think in a, a good shot, bad shot in that situation. I think it was the wrong time to take that shot because I'm like, 18 seconds left? You got so much time to catch your breathing. We've seen Jimmy not only for the Heat, but for the Bulls, but for the Sixers, before the Timberwolves, 
he goes to that right side. The side that he was on does his dribbles. He'll dribble the clock out and take that step back three. He'll nail that because he got his breath in. He got, he's got his little strides in. And that's what I thought he was going to do. Instead, he rushed it because he probably was tired, fatigued, whatever, but he rushed it. I don't think that was, I think that was the wrong shot. Whereas I know there's going to be all these other scenarios like, yo, what if a double team came? Well, now you, now you got a man open, kick out. Or what if, what if he decided, what if he missed it? Well, that's the, then, then he missed on his own terms where you felt like he missed this one and they still got time left to do what? He didn't have time left for anything. They had to foul. So I just think it was the wrong shot to take with the, how much time was left on the clock. Like if you're telling me, Kurt, this was like eight seconds on the clock left, you're coming down court, pulling that cool, but you have an extra 10 seconds to just catch your breath. You got Howard for one-on-one. I don't think the Suns is going to make that switch. So it's hard for one-on-one with 18 seconds left. Get that joint down to three, boom, hit that, hit it, miss it, but you just lost. And these are kind of finals on your own terms that this uh, pull-up off-balance three, which just looked like you were tired or dead leg. And that's, that's why I think – that's where I was kind of at with your, with your point of Jimmy dribbling it out is what's stopping, the, what's stopping Boston from getting Horford off of Jimmy. You know, now I, I get it in that situation. If you see a switch coming, you can always kick it to the open man. But is Butler going to kick it in that situation, even if it's a smart thing to do? Would he kick it? Who is who is he kicking to? Is he kicking to Struce, who Absolutely. up until up until recently in that game had struggled? Does he kick it? You know, heroes off the floor. Like, who do you kick it to? Right to Struce Curry. You saw the shot he had just hit. Uh, okay, Let, let's not throw that. Let's not throw that. <laughs> like, well, come on now. That, my, that shot was my, bad. My, that my shot point, was huge. It was a it was a definitely a huge shot. But Struce had struggled a lot uh, in that series, a lot in the previous series. The stretches he had struggled. Do you really trust? You, you don't really trust anybody on Miami taking that shot other than Jimmy Butler. Which is why I think you just let it be on your own and, terms. And that that's why. And that's why I think it was a necessary shot. Not necessarily good or bad. We're not. We're not kind of. We're not taking a side on that. I don't think it was a great shot, considering, like you said, he's gas. He's pushing. He's pushing that shot. You can tell in his body when his body. How he shot the ball, his chest is like yes, he's leaning forward. He's pushing that ball set. forward. He has no yeah. legs, so I don't know if a step back in that situation is a, you know is if feasible. Is it feasible? He's not really. A, got, I think Horford wasn't making a switch. I, I don't know. I'm not saying a switch. I'm saying an actual step back to create some jump, some momentum, going back. You know what I'm saying? Pushing on the legs. The knees that's already had inflammation. I don't know if that's a great idea. I don't know if he would do that. Not saying that he would make it. Not saying he wouldn't muster some things up. But I think if, I think that's a, a a worse shot than the transition three. At least you're in transition. You're kind of pushing that ball forward. Your momentum's carrying you forward. If he's stepping himself back and trying to put more, trying to get more energy from his legs, I think that's a harder ask, especially in a situation where he played the entire game, coming off of playing 40 minutes the night before and having knee inflammation a couple games ago. So the point is set, and then I think that I'm sorry. No, it's just like when you really look at that shot in totality, there there's this whole argument where just, there's nightmares for that shot. Let's be honest. Heat fans are having nightmares. Jimmy Bowers probably having nightmares. He won't fool you and say he's he's having nightmares about that shot. Because there's so many different scenarios of what he could have done. And he took the shot where he thought was the right one to make. So I'm not going to judge him for that. But, oh, man, I don't, I don't like the argument of the good, bad shot scenario because we've literally seen it in this decade. 
a buzzer beater logo three with like what four seconds left from Damian Lloyd against the Thunder, and and they were calling that a good or bad shot. Like these these guys hit this for a living. Like they, they this is what they work on. So I'm not gonna claim what Jimmy does a bad shot. I just think it was just you you have 18 seconds. I've seen Jimmy on the Sixers like what the first game with us, 15 seconds left, dribble that out with the with the switch he wanted, and hit a step back three, or just put the game in his hands. And I feel like when he took that shot with 18 seconds left, you took the game really out of your hands. Even if you make it, they got they have all the Celtics had time and they 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 were confident they were going to get the win or something's going to happen because the fouls weren't going the heat's way either. So I don't think the drive to the basket would have worked. I don't think he was going to get the and one that people were thinking he was going to get with Al Horford. No, it wasn't going to happen. There were going to be a no call there unless he finished a tough layup. So I, I just think that this, the only scenario I'm really seeing in my mind. Is that you dribble this out and make the game yours like like Kobe would have done if there's 18 seconds. Kobe would have dribbled that thing out and there's two seconds left. You know, he went in the game where he's going home knowing that that was the best he could have done. And he would have won the press and say, oh, we just lost. Like, and that I think that's like the one thing I'm just like, man, Jimmy, you could have did that instead of trying to rush that shot. And I think that's where the huge cuss of this argument is coming from. Is that the right time to take me 18 seconds on the clock? We can get into semantics all day. I think. You get tra- you get the ball in transition. You don't want to call a timeout because that is the league's best defense. You don't want to give them the opportunity to set up, and you try to draw a play to beat that defense. It's kind of easier, I think, to beat them in transition, especially like we said, Horford's backpedaling. He's kind of giving you now. Even if he stepped in and, sh- and shot a mid, let's say he steps in and shoots an a, a eighteen footer instead of a twenty three footer. Does he make that shot? Is he wide left? Is he he's short? You know, he's short and wide left. So does I think it's a higher percentage shot, but like you said, it's still 13 at the most. He I'm sorry, at the at the most, you take five seconds off the clock. He shot the ball with what 15 seconds left? No, eight, so, it was um 18. Okay, 18 seconds. He missed, they got it back. They got 13. the bucket 15. Okay, you're right. So let's say he's so I'm just like, man, he has the ball at 18. Let's say he, he takes another step. Let's say he takes another another dribble or two. That's what 17, 16, maybe. I mean, yeah, it's two seconds at the point, but you got 16 seconds and you're it's high. You're now able to use your defense to to to, to shut down whatever play because Boston is theoretically not taking the ball up the court. Nope, we had a timeout. They had a timeout. They're going to advance it and they're going to play it in the half and and you know after after midcourt. So I think it's a kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like I think you can always catch, you know, you can always play hindsight with this kind of situation. I I don't think Jimmy Butler's losing sleep over the shot. <laughs> I don't think people in Miami are I think they're disappointed, but I don't think it haunts them that shot. Like it's a shot. It was a, it was a, your best player took essentially what became a wide open three and missed it. That was it. Yeah, that's it. Like the only other argument that I would even ascertain listening to is you got Al Horford back point and you, you drive on him. That's the only other argument I really hear, Chris. Like that's it. Like you're not about to tell me it was a bad shot, whatever, because that's just like, dude. Man played 48 minutes, 35 points. What else did you want from him? Like he, he over time, y'all would have got torched by 10. If you're a heat, if you're the Miami Heat and you're watching that game, you're Heat fans, you know, you know what's going on. Nevertheless, the Celtics have made the finals. For me and Chris, that is heartbreaking because uh strong words towards Boston, like any uh, any Sixers fan would have. 
any any rightful human should have. Thank you. Thank you for that correction. I apologize. I should have just went downright hate right. said right. anything. Let me let me let me lean into this haterism. I don't care what, what I don't care about Boston and those Jim Crow segregation titles they got. They want to, you know, I know they talk about oh Bill Russell got this many rings. Half not I'm sorry, not half. All but two of them rings were won with black and white television. I don't want to hear anything pre-08. And I, at this point, it's been 12 years. I don't want to hear about 08. This team has continually, time at the time, underperformed. I get, they made it to the finals this year. They broke through in year four of this pairing between Brown and Tatum, which is good. Mm, their role, their, their road there is amazing if you look back at it. They sweep Boston. I'm sorry, they, they sweep Brooklyn. They go to seven with Milwaukee, the reigning champions, and knock them off. They go to seven with the number one seed in the East and knock them off. Now they're going against a team that has been – now it's going to their sixth finals in eight years. If they, if they complete that run – I know Tatum. Tatum gets all the praise, but not lost in this is Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, Grant Williams. Like, yo, that team would have had one of the better runs in history. Now, I want to say, I want to preemptively say this, Jared, before you make your point. People talk about this Tatum run might be better than Dirk's in 2011. I'm here to tell you right now, huh? You heard me. That was a thing. I've seen it on Twitter. This Tatum run run might be better than Dirk in 2011. It's disgusting. And I just want to say, for the record, everybody, I don't need everybody to lean in on this one. Listen closely. Absolutely not. I will not entertain any anti-Dirk arguments, especially when it comes to Jason Tatum. Period. I'm not even gonna. Like, how you gonna say that Dirk 2011? That Dirk 2011 one is nasty. Chris, you could have went to a diatribe on that, but the thing I'm gonna say is like, that's not even a comparison. The Celtics roster is vastly greater than Dirk's roster in 2011. Dirk's roster in 2011 should have gotten waxed by Brian and them, but Brian and them just couldn't get it done. You're about to go the best defense in the NBA, hands down. They had their ups and downs throughout the season, but they became the best defense by literally December, where basketball really starts in Chris and our eyes. And they kept that, they, they kept that number one standing of the best defense in the league. Going up against what was arguably the one or three best offense right now. Now it's the best offense because all those other teams are out of the uh, playoffs. The Warriors beat them, best offense teams. And now they're the best offense. You have the best offense, the best defense in the finals. Rosters. If you look at this Celtics roster versus that Dirk roster, oh my gosh, like what? Talent wise, is way better. I know they have a, 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 a more mid Tyson Chandler because I know he wasn't young, but he wasn't that old either. He was in he was in his prime. Jason Kidd was older. Jason Terry was older. Karan Bowen was older. Sean Marion was older. Yeah, this that that Dirk roster right now would have gotten tortured by the some of these teams right now just because of the fact that they just didn't have the legs in them, and they that's why it was it's such an amazing feat how they w- went to the finals. And they beat Braun, D Wade, and Bosch. 
this Celtics team, it's a great story, but it's not, it's not that. Jason Tatum has another star player and a defensive player of the year on his team and a whole bunch of role players that just get to it. It's, it's not the same. I think for me, Chris, I think I speak for both of us when I say it's Warriors and six for both of us. That's, that's where we're leaning. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that's where we're both going. I don't think I no, – I've only, only ever spoke for us twice in our, in, in our podcast, but I feel like we're not going to ever root for the Celtics. That's like rooting for Dallas. We're not doing that. I, I'm saying Warriors and six just to be nice because I really think it's Warriors and five. But I really have I have I really have Boston taking two. Unfortunately, when they get home, they play different. Warriors, I think now is this is their time to play the best basketball. Chris, there was something I also saw on Twitter. Baffling what Twitter would do to you in the conversations that arise, but no, this was actually something. Tell me about it. Um, Stephen Curry, who has what two MVPs, one was unanimous, all-time three-point shooter, number one on the list. Highlight maker, best shooter ever, good point guard. He's a facilitator. He's gotten better on defense. We've seen it throughout his career. Eight finals appearances, or like around that, almost at six. four, three, four rings, six, 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 six finals appearances. There is this argument going on that if Steph, because Steph Curry doesn't have a finals MVP, because he's had KD, because Iguodala won that finals MVP, and Iguodala has won too, by the because way, because Iguodala won that over him. Looks, it looks Curry's terrible. Not in the top ten all time. It looks terrible in retrospect, doesn't it? Steph Curry's not in the top ten all time because of not having a finals MVP. I'm of the mindset that I don't agree with that, but I can see the argument. Like I can, I can understand the argument of Steph Curry needs this finals MVP to solidify himself in NBA history, greatness, Mount Rushmore, whatever way. If you want to argue him top five, now you can because he has the accolades. I think just this MVP, this, uh, no, this finals push alone say helps, should already have solidified Steph as one of the all-time greats, if not in your top 10, if you wanted to put him there. Because you can make the argument that, hey, Steph was like, what, the last last year, they were a year or two removed from, we thought they were on a rebuild. We thought they were going to hold, they got to have to scrap the whole thing. You had NBA analysts all up the jump saying, yeah, you got to retool because this team is in the gutter. And then they flipped it in the season. They flipped it in the season. I know the storylines for the Celtics is great because of what they did, but the, the same thing goes for the Warriors because look at what Clay Thompson's done. Came back from an injury where he's played himself into shape throughout this, what, middle of the season, not even the middle of the season, end of the season, into the playoffs, played himself into shape where he's looking mid, but it's, it's getting them wins. He's, he's coming in where it matters most. He hits the shots when he can. Defense isn't there what it used to be, but I think he just needs a healthy offseason. Jordan Poole has emerged into something that we thought is baby step. He's, he looks good. Dude got a handle. He's playing his role well. Andrew Wiggins is coming into his first round stardom where he was the number one pick. They brought him as a two-way guy, defense, and play a little bit of shot creating. He's doing that. He's playing good defense. I don't think he's one – he, he arguably he has to be the best defender of the Warriors, and it's, he's doing his job adequately. And Draymond Green has been the role player leader on that team. I like what I see from the Warriors. I just think they're deeper than the Celtics. Like, I, just, I really what it boils down to for me in this series. Their bench is deeper. The bag is going to be deeper for them when it comes to the offensive toolkit and weapons and where they can go and get buckets from. The Celtics, we saw it in this Heat series. When Jason Tatum's cold, the team's cold. If Jalen Brown's heating up, but, but it's just not enough because he's not shooting an adequate amount of threes or that team just isn't getting the rebounds that they need to, they're stale. 14-0 run by Miami in that game seven when they were up, what, I believe 12 at the time, and they brought it down to two. That stuff that the Warriors relish that stuff, and I just, I, that's what I'm saying is going to be their crux is that if they can't stop the threes, or they can't stop that high-power offense in the way they need to, the Warriors will really run them out of town. 
the thing about the Warriors is that when they get momentum on their side, they're damn near impossible to beat because those shots keep falling. They never stop moving. You know, they're always they move off the ball so effortlessly. A lot of that stuff, but that's you're able to facilitate with Clay, uh, with Dre. Clay's moving off the ball. Poole's moving off the ball. Who stops a lineup? Because I was I was speaking um, directly after Game Seven, Jared. Is Al Horford unplayable in this series? Because I think he is. Because if you want a lineup out there of Draymond, Wiggins, Poole, Steph, and Clay, where does Horford fit in? Horford, Horford can be at the five. Before Horford the five, can be at the five with Draymond and, and play him at the perimeter? I would um, – because you no, you really don't even have to – you can really just plug and play Horford onto Kevin Looney. Kevin Looney no, I, mean, I didn't say Looney. For what are you, what are you talking said, about? Offense? I said for this specific lineup of Draymond, Wiggins, Clay, Steph, Poole. I'm putting on Draymond, and now you have you, that height disparity on the rebounds. So you would just you would just, so I if I'm so if I'm like you're gonna attack him a lot. You but gonna attack him, but you, you can make, literally you, you can fade him, him, edge him off of Draymond to say, "Yo, you're attached to Draymond." He's not – if he scores on you, cool. <laughs> Let Draymond do what Draymond so does. You would play, so you would play Horford and just go big against their small lineup? I would do a lineup of legit – if you're the Celtics and you want to play Horford against that lineup, you just you do Horford, Tatum, Brown, Smart, Grant Williams. Grant Williams would be that guy that then – even if Horford ever gets put in the bind, he so, runs over to switch to go right, so wait, to wait, wait, right wait. back to Draymond. So wait, wait. So Grant Williams, I'm assuming, would stick Draymond. No, I would put Grant on Andrew Wiggins. So you would play Wiggins? Because uh, Tatum wants to guard the best player, Tatum's on staff. Maybe Marcus Smart's on staff, but Tatum has put himself in that Mar- two-way conversation. Marcus Smart, is going to put it, Marcus Smart is going to try to prove a point. So okay. even if Marcus Smart's on staff, Tatum's on pool. We just, I, we know Clay's not where he used to be, and I hate that I'm saying this for Boston, but Clay's not where he used to be. The, the lateral movement's not there yet. He's a full offseason. Play Brown on him. Grant Williams can either be. But a would you floater. not? But would you not hide? Would you not hide Tatum on defense? No, he's been he's been stout this and entire I'm, I'm not saying time. I'm not saying as, I'm not saying as it relates to his ability to not to to play Clay one on one or play Steph one on one. I'm saying for the Ticky tech. Let's say the ticky tech files he's going to get. Is it worth? Is it worth? Because if I'm if I'm Golden State, they have a, they have a propensity to put your best player in foul trouble. For whatever you know, because usually a lot of teams they you know when they play Luca, he's running around trying to he's he's they're trying to get him to run around and move on defense. He's he's like being stationary. But even when they play Phoenix, when they play. Memphis, when they you know when they play these guard heavy teams, because I I I believe Brown and Tatum are more forwards, but they kind of play like guards, right? Mm-hmm. They're just big guards. If I'm Golden State, like I'm trying to take any, I'm trying to get any any way I can get Tatum off the floor, I'm gonna take it because that team, that Boston team, does not go if Tatum does not. Go. Like I they try, they tra- they tried to have Brown be the number one. Yeah, it, it, it works to an extent, but it's not. Gonna, it's, it not doesn't, it's not as sustainable. It's yeah. not as explosive as 
Tatum as the one. So I think there's a there's a I think there's a real chess match that Steve Kerr, who is in his God, what, 20th final as a player coach, mm-hmm. like like Ime Udoka in his first finals as the head coach of the Celtics. I think that's something that we're not talking about either. Like I get Ime Udoka's had a great job, runs great plays, runs great sets. You know, their defensive sets are great, but it's it's a human, it's human nature to get to that bright light to the state that stage and kind of try to do too much. How many times have we tried to we seen guys try to do too much? Tatum especially. Try to, you know, he think he could, you know, he, he, we talk about a lot of guys who think they're Kobe, you know, but he get up there and he's, you know, we seen, we see the familiar moves. We know he's been practicing. Sometimes those shots don't fall. How long to be, you know, is, is he a type, is he the guy who gets on that stage and tries to prove everybody wrong and ends up, you know, Two for eleven, three for sixteen. You know. Um. To go to your first point on the Celtics defense, I think Tatum has become a very good two-way player. I don't think he's going to hide from anybody. Him and Brown, that duo in the backcourt or frontcourt, wherever they're like lined up, it's been working well. Tatum plays the best player. You saw what he was like when you look in comparison to Wiggins. Tatum guarding Katie and Giannis with the better in my opinion than Wiggins looking against Luca because uh let's be honest we, we I've heard interviews of Wiggins talking about he wants to be that primary defender he can hold some guys whatever whatever Luca was giving him 40. Luca had a better team at the day Luca was putting a 40 on him and it was all him because Wiggins was on him it was on him so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go and say okay they're 1A 1B defenders no 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 Tatum's in a realm of his own with the other guys in realms of their own and Wiggins is coming up as a good defender he's finally taking that step to where he needs to be I think Tatum now has shown the maturity when it's come to defense where he's not going to get into a lot of foul trouble. And his offensive bag can be elevated in the series because the Warriors lack that perimeter defense. The Heat had it. The Heat had guys that could switch one through five. Because if Jimmy wasn't on Tatum, well, that dog P.J. Tucker was there. He was in your grill. He didn't care if he fouled you. He'll get four fouls and sit down, but he's going he's gonna to wear you out. I don't, have, I don't think the Warriors have that grit and grind guy. It was Gary Payton before, and if he comes back, then maybe you could sway the argument to me a little bit when it comes to defense. Gary Payton was that dog in him. Gary Payton was really guarding up going dudes, and he wasn't giving no, no inch to breathe. I don't really see that from Clay. Steph has emerged as a better defender, but I'm not putting I'm not giving Steph a chance to guard Tatum. That's a, that's a mismatch. No. Get out the way. So it's got to be Clay and Wiggins, and then Draymond now has become more of a post defender. Because he doesn't have that same lateral quickness anymore to be guarding on the perimeter trying you take him out and say, okay, I, I can stay with you 18 feet away from that. Oh, Draymond doesn't have that game in him either anymore. He might have before the injury, but now he's looking a little slower too. So Tatum and Brown can truly eat in this series if the shot falls like you mentioned. That's where I think it really boils down to for both teams. Does the shot fall? And in the Warriors' case, they have more dudes that shot falls in the Celtics. I can game you three guys. I'm like, okay, these dudes will consistently hit a three for the Celtics. The Warriors, I can name you seven. Seven. And Iguodala's coming back, so let's make it eight. Let's make it even eight, Chris. I can I, name you eight dudes. You know, with the fate of the universe on the line, some people want Iguodala. You're right. I, I can name you eight dudes that will consistently go, or not even consistently go, but they'll shoot, what, nine threes a game? They'll make three. 
If I give you that on the, on the Celtics, vice versa, I can only name you three others that are making those three out of nine. That one rare Derek White three-point game that he had and they still lost, the next game, what he followed up with? One for seven. So it's like, I think the offensive toolkit, there's too much shooting for the Warriors. Like this roster is so complete when it comes to three-point shooting. Who's going to, like, even if one's inefficient, you, not all of them could be. Not all eight dudes I can name right now could be inefficient. Somebody's going to hit these threes. Somebody's going to be open and knock them down. If it's going to be Clay game one, if it's going to be Poole game one, if it's going to be Steph game one, once that trigger is lit, once, the, once that match starts, I think that's what's going to really change the whole focal point of the series because the Celtics going to look at that three-point barrage and be like, damn, what, what can we do? Because they ain't played at all playoffs. Like, the, the uh, Heat didn't have that three-point barrage. Like, it, there was spurts, but they didn't have it. Right. The Bucks didn't really have it, and I don't know what, what, what happened with the Nets, but the Nets only had three shooters in my eyes. Three. And that was it. So it's like, now they're playing the most three-point shooting they've ever seen in the playoffs, so now it's going to be different. So, I don't know. I got Warriors in six. I'm not rooting for Celtics. I really hope it's Warriors in six. I would like to see Steph win another one. The final MVP debate is up for you guys to decide. You could actually tell us what you think. Is Steph in the top 10 all time now, or does he need a finals MVP to solidify himself in the top 10? At this point in time, for me, making six finals and on the cusp of what? Pushing LeBron James for a four to five range, because I think Steph will be in the finals talks again next season. Like, they're, make, they're potentially going to the finals again. This just further elevates the career of Steph Curry. I know he's never going to be of the status of a LeBron James, the emergence of Luke Doncic or Michael Jordan, because again, totally different players. But him being the greatest shooter of all time has to be account for something at this point. Like it's like they give so much praise and stuff, and then they try and take it down just a little bit. It's just a small peg. We're like, well, he can shoot this great, but he can't do this as well. So it's like we gotta find that middle ground of where it's gonna go. Chris, real quick, I, I don't know how you really feel about it, but I'm totally flabbergasted and just honestly, I don't even like it that the fact that they added conference finals MVPs, that's such a participation award. I don't care. I don't care who wins conference finals MVP. Go to the finals. Like that's that's your like the regular season MVP. Cool. Finals MVP, cool. That's what, that's what you really want. The finals MVP. What is this Easter? Like, what are we gonna get? A semifinals MVP next? Round first round MVP, playing MVP. Like, what was the point of all this? Like, where are we headed? Well, we're now coming into this term of, oh, hey, I'm going to do you an Eastern Conference Finals MVP trophy that looks eerily similar to the Finals MVP trophy. Like, this, this, does the Finals MVP not matter anymore? Because now guys can go to the Eastern Conference Finals, lose in the Finals, but hey, I got three Eastern Conference Finals MVPs. Like, what does that mean now? Like, what does that mean for certain arguments or debates or who's better than who or the, who's now in your top 15, stuff like that? Because guy, like, let's be honest, this was around then. Charles Barkley and all of them would have had like what four finals and conference finals MVPs to never win in the final, something like that. Does that not mean he's a Hall of Famer anymore, or something like that? Like, where do, how do, where are we going for this NBA to start saying, hey, we're going to give out a finals MVP, a conference finals MVP? I don't like it. <laughs> I think you hit the nail on the head on a lot of your points. Um, I feel as though it's a like, like okay, I get it. You want to acknowledge the legacy of, of players of yesteryear, so we named it. Larry, uh, Larry, Bird, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson. But would you think Larry Bird and Magic Johnson would have been happy with a conference finals MVP award? What? No. Like, what? I would have been furious if he got that and then the way they lost to the, the uh, Lakers. No. Like, Kobe I, would hate stuff like that. No, I don't I think, I, 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 think don't. It, I think it bolsters some, some, it could, it could help some guys 
in these legacy talks that we talk about, right? But at the grand scheme of things, I don't think conference final MVPs matter. I don't think, you know, finals MVP. At a certain point, you have to, you can look at somebody and see and tell yourself whether or not they're better than the next guy. Accolades are important, yes, to an extent, but you have to put things in context and you have to, like, be aware of what's going on. I don't think that that should hold as much weight and as much precedent as it does. Now, it doesn't for, for right now. Like, it's only been year one, so we only have two, you know, two winners total. But, you know, maybe in 25 years we'll have a different conversation. Maybe we'll have a different viewpoint. Maybe, you know, when we're on episode, like, 2000, straight to the point, we'll be looking at, at, at it in a different prism. Maybe it's just, you know, I'm a traditionalist. I've always said it. I like things to kind of be, you know, how they've been, uh, especially when it comes to sports and certain things. Um, I'm not really a huge fan of change. I don't like the play in, but I, I, I don't like the concept of it, but I enjoy the game. You see what I'm, you see what I'm saying? Like, I think it's going to be some type of like middle ground there. I think with these conference final MVPs, um, I mean, baseball does it. Baseball has, you know, division series, uh, and they have like the ALCS and LCS, and they have NLCS or ALCS MVP, and then they have a World Series and the World Series MVP. So maybe, and maybe in five years it doesn't really matter, and it, we just look at it as another thing that the NBA is doing. Who knows? I think I think you're always going to have people who are resistant to change in the beginning. And maybe we're in that in that situation right now. Um, so let's just give it some time, and then we'll kind of bring it up. However, don't don't be like, "Well, Tatum got an Eastern Conference Final MVP." You know that's where this heat. You know where that's gonna start heading when dudes are like Tatum better than Don Sugar, Tatum's better than he's not. Uh, uh, Luke, uh, Nicole Jokic or Joel Embiid or like he's not. Or LeBron, all, all these other players like Danny is gonna be like. Tatum better than playoff Jimmy. Like it's gonna, it's gonna come up. It's he's these not. He got a, it was caused by I'm like, I, I'm just don't agree with it. I don't. I do like the play in though. I, I'm not, I'm not opposed to that because then it's just leads to more basketball. But at this point, what Chris really was saying is you're gonna have guys like, for instance, one of his favorite players, Bradley Beal, start getting some <laughs> semifinals, uh, semifinal MVPs. He's gonna start bagging those in, playing MVPs. He's gonna start bringing them home. And it's going to solidify not, himself. Not if, he, top 30 not if he on the Wizards. Not if he on the Wizards. People he don't get himself highest paid MVP. Like he's going to be the Wizards. He's going to get that. I led my team to the lottery again, MVP. <laughs> right. Can we focus? Can the NBA please focus on fixing the voting before they start adding these new things? Because the voting in the NBA is so preach. Not even scrutinized enough. It's cringeworthy biases that are just coming up and you just can see see it in the media and the marketing how it works can we fix the voting for all nba's finals and stuff like that uh mvps final MVPs, before we worry about adding more awards that are going to now be added to the cba which is coming up soon chris because think about it jason didn't win this award i don't think there's any incentives for him winning this award that'll come soon in the players negotiation for the cba like there's going to be incentives for winning these things so like, can we start worried about certain things before we add more things on can we worry about finding referees you know that's a big thing of mine we got to start finding these refs but moving on 
Because she was mentioning something about a, a true great Hall yeah. of Fame player, Super Bowl winner. Oh no, no, no. We we didn't we didn't touch on the on the legacy talk. What legacy talk? About Steph about Steph needing the finals MVP to uh will that impact his legacy? I think no, we I mean I mentioned a little bit earlier. I, I agree with you, break. but I, I agree with you, but I think I I don't think just to kind of put a bow on it and just kind of bring it back to stuff. I don't think a finals MVP, conference finals MVP, excuse me, she moves the needle on someone's legacy talk. So if you know, I get Steph the conference finals MVP, which is nice, but he need that finals MVP. But I don't think him having a ring. I don't think him winning a ring at this time jumps him over anybody. You see what I'm saying? Like, I don't think he's going to go. Like, if you think Steph is 12 or you think Steph is nine or you think Steph is four or whatever, I don't think him having another ring jumps him over anybody. Yeah, because there he got three. He's already, he got three. I, I think Steph's firmly planted where, in my mind, where he's going to be at. The more accolade he gets, just continues to and. Trench him, entrench him. Thank you, thank you, Entrench him mm-hmm. deeper in where I'm planting the seed of where he is on the all-time leaderboards and stuff like that. But I don't think he's getting any higher. Exactly. Like I don't think if, if you think Steph is like I think Steph is top twelve. You got him top twelve. I got him top twelve. Like I think Steph I top is 10. top twelve, right? Even if you think Steph is like eleven. Him getting a fourth ring doesn't jump him over anybody I have over him. You see what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't think that. Now, if he gets like seven rings, that's different. But a fourth ring doesn't move. Yeah. Like a fourth ring doesn't move. What about him. a fourth ring in a finals MVP? No. Does that put him in your realm of conversation of Magic Johnson and Isaiah Thomas? No. All right, so then, yeah, it's like where you really moving him on the needles. You now, know? if he you know, if he go back to back, oh, he's in that conversation now. In, now, now I think now, I would put him in that. I, honestly, I have like, him in that conversation now. If you're like, yo, who's your top three point guards? Those three are names are the names I'm naming. But okay, I, I was I was thinking it more so like a generalized like top. But, no, but there's always a list within a list within a list. So of course, like, right? So so. It's like, does he really? If he wins this fight, MVP, is it moving you on those transcendent lists that are just going to always pile up, or is it going to be like, okay, because we can, because we can do, we can do the list episode coming up, but we'll, we'll touch on that. Come, we'll touch on probably that towards after, the draft, probably after, towards the NBA draft after the after the finals. Yeah, when we have but, nothing to talk about off season stuff. When we are not, I'm telling you right now, we're not talking about the Phillies. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. What, what I, I wouldn't want to depress myself. But what was I saying? I don't think him being a four-time NBA champion with a finals MVP jumps him over whoever is there. And I know you always have a list within the list and is he a top three point guard or whatever the case may be. And you can argue who's number like you can argue your your list to, to the death. But Jared, I think you agree with me. And I I try not to speak for you. He's not that one is not gonna move him either up the list of where point guards are or up the list on overall players. Like he's already in the, the for me, the bottom tier of the greater players ever list. Like he's the guys who don't have titles. That's those are the ones who move, you know, like if, like if Tatum wins this title, 
that's definitely a legacy. That's a legacy that's impactful for his legacy. Because I, I we talked, we talked about Melo if he wins the title. <laughs> I do all the time. No, no, no. no. Okay, all right. I, I know, but it's, it's one step in the right direction, right? He'll pass Melo. Oh, okay, so 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 now you're he passes project- Pierce Miles. You're projecting. He passes Paul Pierce already. As soon as he was his ring, he passed Paul Pierce. All time, I don't care. All time, Chris. You know anyway, how I feel about that. We'll, we'll, we'll talk you know how I feel about that. We'll, we'll, we'll talk later on that. But look at the run, like we talked about: KD, Giannis, Butler, Steph. That's man. Listen, you got to put some respect on Tate because that's a card. If I'm if I'm playing the Tatum card, that's a that's a card I'm pulling. Like, show me a better run. Show me a better run. And then you can counter with Dirk. Well, Dirk's an all-time great. You know what I'm saying? Jordan's all-time great. You know, you got to put him up there with the all-time greats, man. You can't downplay him if he wins this ring. Now, if he doesn't, then, you know, FTC. But uh, that's just where I'm at with it. Just playing a little, little devil's advocate. Now, Jared. I know you want to talk about the National Football League. And your boy recently signed to Donda Sports, Mr. Aaron Donald. Yeah, man. Greatness personified. It's crazy. Tell yeah, me a little bit. Yeah. Tell, tell me. I mean, we talked. I, I, I wanted to segue him. I was looking up his um, contract stipulations. But um, mm-hmm. we, hear, we hear these rumors out here that maybe he's thinking about retiring. We. You know, we, we we remember McVeigh getting up at the, the Super Bowl parade and and you know kind of making reference to that. He's kind of tiptoed whether or not this might be his last year. Jared, talk to me about what you're kind of projecting and seeing as far as is there Aaron Donald goes. Yeah, because um he he was on the I Am Athlete podcast, which is a very great podcast. I might actually have to send you the sound bite of it so we can just add it in what he said. And he he basically talked in totality saying he's at peace with never playing football again. He's at peace with retiring in the prospect that he doesn't get the bag from the Rams. And, and, and in hindsight, 2020, my guy deserves the bag. Um, right now, Aaron Donald, I would say, is of the bottom tiers of paid contracts of defensive ends, D-tackle, whatever he's ranked at. I think right now he has the base salary of $9.2 million is what he's going to get paid this upcoming season. That's Derek Barnett makes about that much, and Aaron Donald is vastly greater than him. So I think Aaron Donald wants to be compensated in what he feels like he's worth. But he's also, even if they don't offer him the $30 million upwards deals and stuff like that, I think he's saying he's, he just signed the new deal with Kanye because he wants to have those media exposures. He wants the big-time contracts like he's saying McVeigh get, that he's saying Matt Stafford get, that are, that are ironic and playful and that put in more money in his pocket. He wants the, the Baker Mayfield 20 commercials where you, you see so many progressive Geico's stating like he wants those and he knows that Simon Kanye I think was a very good idea because it kind of is going to bring those towards him, maybe a Yeezy endorsement, stuff like that. Like those things, those opportunities are going to be available to him through this new agency that he signed with. But he's saying by doing that, he lives in Cali, by doing this, he's like, I don't have to play in the NFL anymore. I won the ring. He told people when he first came, he got drafted, Chris. It was eight years. He won the Super Bowl within the eight years. And if, if, if he was done playing football after that, he'd be done. He's cool. And I think he's now he's doubling down on that statement that he made early in his career. And for me, I'm just like, yo, the Rams did you just pay him? 
Let's get hungry again. Let's go starve ourselves in the OTAs in the woods. And let's go 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 try and win get another one because and else is already in, in the Hall of Fame in my eyes as a defensive tackle, defensive end. But I'm just like I think he has so much more in him. He's only 30 years old. He can go if the Rams pay him. I don't care if they go over the, the salary cap a little bit. He can go put you up another 12 and a half, 13, 14 sacks. Y'all can go push for the Super Bowl with the roster they have now. Y'all can push for it again. So I'm hoping this is just a ploy to get the money that he wants. I'm really just hoping that this is a huge ploy and not him being evidently serious by what the quote said, him saying, yo, I can retire tomorrow and I'm just done. Because that's, that's the NFL losing a huge face and great player. The thing I think that is not being mentioned is, is whether or not he wants quality of life after he retires. Like he could be, a, it could be a situation where he's like, hey, listen, I'm 30. I made my money. I want a ring. I don't want to subject my body to this. You know, you hear guys talk about how they have lack of, you know, the lack of mobility as they get older because of the sustained hits they've had, the lack of, you know, quality of life that they want, that they once had in their their years after they've retired. So maybe it's a active self-preservation though maybe he thinks like maybe i can hold off for two more years and get the bag and really really be set but i think that's a personal decision between him you know his family and what he decides to do i think the rams would love to have him i think the rams would love to have him for as long as he wants to be there but at a certain point he has to uh kind of make that decision for himself you know regardless of whatever outside circumstances that there may be I agree. I, I'd be awfully disappointed if we lose Aaron Donald only because this would be the year that uh, there's so much good football to play. I would want to see him go out and be the best that he can be. But, man, just thinking about the NFL now, Chris, with all the moves that are being made, I just saw David Njoku got paid, I believe, $54 million in guaranteed money or close to that, it's, which is really crazy because uh, we're not the biggest Brown fans. We have some Brown fans that listen, and he'll probably tell us more if we ever bring him on the show, which will come soon. The Browns for me, Chris, I'm so nervous for them. You bring it, you, you re-sign David and Joku, knowing that they were trying to move him for the past two seasons. They brought him in thinking he was going to be an all-star talent. He did, he was up in the air a little bit mid, in the middle of the pack. Brought in Austin Hooper, that didn't work out. You don't know who the quarterback is for any of the games for the, the Browns right now, because even though they're not cutting or trading bigger right away, he's not going to be playing. He's not showing up. I don't know what's going on with the Deshaun Watson cases, what's going on with the NFL suspensions, but if they're going to suspend him and to extend how many games, but when you look at it in totality, Browns made this move, I guess, to give him more weapons to Deshaun Watson. But if he if they don't have him right away, especially after guaranteeing Deshaun Watson, what what was the what what's really the point of where where are they going? What's the trajectory for this team when they still have the Cooper guarantee money? Now I have the Joku, and then they have what two hundred and thirty million locked into Deshaun Watson. Is this really a team that you could see going to a Super Bowl this season or the next? I mean, I think it's, it's definitely a situation where you have to ask yourself, what do the Browns get out of giving big money to Njoku? Why is Njoku so ready to resign for big money now? Like, what changed? And the thing is, the quarterback situation. Maybe he's been trying to get out of the quarterback situation that Odell got himself out of, that Jarvis Landry did not walk back into, that you know, Amari Cooper is now faced with. So 
or now with the you know with Deshaun Watson now he's not he's not dealing with Baker Mayfield for an entire six seventeen game series seventeen game season. However, you still have this this kind of thing looming over this franchise because they gave Deshaun Watson two hundred and thirty million dollars guaranteed before he even took a snap, and that is a twenty third accusation against him. So you have to be able to go to your team and have a backup plan. The, the quarterback situation is, is, is fried. Like you've already made your, your move. You're not, you're not able to walk that back, especially not after $230 million. So what do they do? Where do they, they, what, you know, what do they do? They take the, the, the pieces around the quarterback and try to shore it up as much as they can. Another quality receiver like Njoku, like, yeah, we, we label him as a tight end, but he can play receiver if need be. You know, he provides another tall target next to Amari Cooper um, for whoever the quarterback would be. So I think that if you're Cleveland, you make the best of a bad situation. You you play the cap until you can't anymore, and then you just you, you hope for the best because you're in a division now with the reigning Super Bowl champions the Baltimore Ravens, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you are arguably the worst team in the division. So, eh, you know, it don't look real good. <laughs> like, it, it don't. Hey, to all the Browns fans out there, the Eagles looking better. So if y'all want to come hop on the bandwagon real fans, we, we, we've got some things moving. I'm not saying, hey, we're going to Super Bowl anytime soon, but we're on the upward trajectory of winning a division this year. I thought you were going to say to all Browns fans, how does it feel like to live in somewhere where no one ever said, I'm going to go vacation in Cleveland? <laughs> I'm going to go vacation. I don't think anybody's ever said that. I don't think Baker says that. I don't, I don't even think about Cooper has touched down in Cleveland. Nah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure nah. OT just started. He's not even there yet. So, no, I don't think that, that's not a statement any Browns fan has ever said. They, they probably watched the Browns. That's not a person any human breathing has said. <laughs> I'm going to go vacation. I'm going to go vacation in Cleveland. <laughs> Chris, you want to go vacation to Cleveland? Hey, I, I, I heard the, no. the uh, I haven't heard anything good about Cleveland. The weather? Nope. The, the cookies? Nope. Uh, I heard the football's good. Nope. They, they do have Ohio State. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> they have Ohio State. Ohio State struggled against Utah last year in the Rose Bowl. <laughs> Come on, man. Come oh, on, man. man. Urban, nope. <laughs> Urban, nope. Yeah, that's washed. I, I, I heard his uh, restaurant's doing good, though. Mm. <laughs> I, ser- I heard he served a lot of finger foods there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that, that's washed already. Had them going down the toilet after that. You read them Yelp reviews? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought his grandpa was at the bar. Let me stop. <laughs> oh, man. I can only imagine. Oh, you can you can imagine it's on camera. <laughs> no, I'm talking about somebody going to say, "Hey, I'm about to go uh, visit uh Cleveland for the next week on my summer vacation days." Yeah, you definitely imagine it. No Isn't one that, ever, would that be considered uh, post traumatic stress or a nightmare, uh, suicide tendencies? Like, we, can you imagine? We, can you imagine waking up to being Cleveland? Like, it's I mean, I know where I'm at. But Cleveland, I know where I'm at. But listen, you know, you know where I'm at. But ah, man, listen, there's there's the levels. There are levels. I'd rather be in Pittsburgh. <laughs> oh man, 
they definitely have something going for them. <laughs> <laughs> you know how bad it got to be. Someone say, I'd rather be in Pittsburgh. <laughs> I just want to be like, so real quick, before we get out, because you know when we do a joke like this right at the end of the show, what is, do you know what Cleveland is known for? Like, isn't it like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? What, the, what food are they known for? That's a good question. Uh, let me get back. I'm going to have an answer for that question <laughs> on the next show. Here we go. Let's start off with that topic I'm, right I'm there. A, I'm going to start. I'm going to get my research. I'm I feel like I have to do a huge more. deep dive because I have no I, – I, I know what Kinetic is known for. That might be, that might be our, our, summer, our summer episodes. <laughs> our summer read assignment. <laughs> Tell me what oh, this major man. city food is. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but no finals are starting up tomorrow tomorrow night. Is it on ABC the first game or is it on ESPN? Everything on ABC. So ABC first first game will be on ABC, which is crazy because they have such a like pauses in between. Sunday's yeah, gonna they're, be they're stretching they're stretching this finals out. Yeah, they're stretching this finals out. They, if, they there is a, the, if there is a game week. seven, it is in 18 days. Jeez. Well, if 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 it's more than six, like we predicted. Coming up for our further down the line podcast, Thursday, June 23rd, is the NBA draft. And the Sixers now have a draft pick as of today. So, Chris, though, that podcast is going to be lit. I can't wait. Let me, uh, let me, let me start calling, calling our favors in now. The draft <laughs> special. Wait, when is it? Thursday, June 23rd. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Sounds like I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to have a guest with me that episode. Yeah, you. Know. <laughs> oh man, we've been we've been stretching it thin lately in the in the uh the office. Yeah. Coworkers have been out left and right. Yeah. I'm about to be out. I'm always busy. Well. Chris Chris taking vacays on vacation. It's, no, no, it's, it's a it's a work assignment. I hear you. No, it, <laughs> it, it is for real. And taking a paid vacation. They call them work assignments now. We live in a yeah. PC era now. Wow. 2022, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, thank you all for listening to another episode of Strangely Point. If you like what you hear, tell a friend to tell a friend to tune in. Um, we're still a five-star rated podcast on iTunes, so we appreciate the support. And please leave us a review. Make sure you follow me at underscore Chris Cross. Follow me at underscore JW Hughes. Definitely follow the podcast. We're almost on the grind for a thousand followers. Follow us on TikTok. It's the same name, straight to the point. Follow on TikTok. We make it a TikTok grind. It's gonna be huge. And when I say huge, it's gonna be a bunch of hot takes and arguments. But you know what? You know what the TikTok algorithm is nowadays, people. Yeah. <laughs> TikTok. Let's get it. <laughs>